Another Monday news conference for the Calgary Flames. This one introducing the 24th head coach in franchise history. Ryan Huska introduced on Monday. And we've got lots to get to as the Flames have another big hire under their belts this offseason. Welcome to Flames Talk from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to dive right into the process and and some of the nitty-gritty on this decision for the Calgary Flames to kick off this hour. And by doing so, we head to Las Vegas, Nevada, where Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman joins us now uh, covering the Stanley Cup final, but gracious enough to give us a few minutes of his time on this Monday to uh, dive in. Fridge, appreciate it, my friend. How are you today? I'm good, Pat. I'm standing in our uh, uh, Ron-set platform here in, in Vegas, and Sean Colville is right next to me, and he wanted me to say hi and also say that only the losers are not in Vegas right now. They're in studios in Calgary. <laughs> or in the uh, windowless uh, room that he knows so well that you've been in as well. That's exactly where I am right now. So, no, Colville won and Steinberg nothing. I will I will give them – that is the best in the business you're standing beside right now. Yeah, Sean's great cameraman. Great he cameraman. one of the absolute best. Um, Elliot uh, – just take us through the process. How how did the we, – we find out a few weeks ago Craig Conroy's the new GM. How did it come yep. to be that Ryan Huska is this team's new head coach? Well, I, I, think, you guys, I think you guys did a pretty big process. I think, you, uh, like, I think the initial interviews were on Zoom, and uh, I think you reached out to a lot of people. Like, for example, I heard one of the first, first people you guys called was Peter Laviolette. Uh, who is, is about to become the next head coach of the New York Rangers, barring any snags, just to gauge his interest. I think you guys called a lot of people. I think there was the, and there was the, Zoom, uh, the, Zoom, uh, the, the Zoom calls, which was sort of like the first round. And then it got cut to the last four or five. And uh, I think that was a group that included, obviously, Huska, Mitch Love, Travis Green, and Todd Reardon. I thought it was really interesting how... Uh, Craig Conroy used some of the names from your previous coaching searches. Mm-hmm. You know, Reardon was a guy who was uh, almost got it at one time in the past. And so uh, obviously Conroy remembered that and, and used those names and, and interviewed those people. But I, I definitely think that there was a feeling uh, looking back on it now, uh, Pat, that it was going to take uh, uh, like a, someone to really beat out your internals. Um, you know, Huska and Love, and I, and I listened to Craig Conroy today, and I listened to what he said about Mitch Love, uh, but I do think there was a lot of push towards the internal candidates, and we really needed someone to beat them out. And, you know, it's an interesting time. Like, I was talking to a, a younger coach this morning uh, before I knew about Laviolette, but you look at some of the hires um, – you know, Greg Cronin is a unique guy. He's getting his first chance at age 60. 
Uh, Babcock's been around. You know, Laviolette's been around. Uh, Andrew Burnett is getting his second opportunity. But the one thing he really talked about with Huska is that I think some of the younger coaches are really excited that he's getting this opportunity. And uh, so I think that there's going to be a lot of like the next generation kind of rooting for him because they, you know, it's hard. Like you look at some of these GMs, you know, Yarmo Kekalainen knows if he doesn't get this right, he's in trouble. Chris Drury knows if he doesn't get this right, he's in trouble. And it's hard to go with someone uh, young and fresh and new if you're in that position. So, you know, Calgary here, um, I think think the team still wants to be competitive. They know Huska better than anybody else knows Huska. And I know that a a younger generation of coaches is really going to be rooting for him here. And uh, look, I'll say this. There's, There's a lot of people who said really good things about him to me, that he's ready for this. And now I think the question simply is going to become, Pat, uh, what's going to go on in front of him? What, what is, and it's funny, you kind of broached it right there, Elliot, but just overall from, from who you've talked to, even to some more experienced and, and longer-term NHL people, what is uh, the feeling on Ryan Huska around the league? Well, I, the, people, the number one thing that people said to me was he's smart. Um, you know, I, I think that's I, I think that's very important. Um, I I think it's it's hard to be successful in a lot of things if you're if you're not a very smart person. And uh, that's the that's the number one thing people said to me is that he's smart. And you know what? He's coached kids in the Western League. He's coached kids in the or kids and adults in the American Hockey League. And he's been on the bench to coach uh, people men in the NHL. And, you know, I I think that's the kind of thing that they talked about was he has coached uh, people at all stages of their development, Mm -hmm. junior, American Hockey League, NHL. So he's got a wide spectrum of understanding of what that takes. They said he knows the X's and O's. You know, the biggest challenge with hires like this one, Pat, is when you're the assistant coach of a team, you're the good cop. Um. That doesn't always work that way anymore, but it works that way a lot. The head coach is supposed to be the one who delivers the hard news. The The head coach is supposed to be the one who says the things that maybe you don't always want to hear but need to be said. Mm-hmm. And the assistant coach is supposed to be the good cop. A number of players have told me over the years it is very, very hard to go from assistant coach to head coach on the same team. It can work for some people, but it doesn't work a ton. And because your message has to change, and sometimes the player looks at you and goes, you know what, this guy was my friend before, and now he's that person. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. So it it can be a challenge. But, you know, look, you guys are going to bring some fresh blood into this team next year. Your kids are going to get more of a chance to play, I think. And, you know, there could be the changes that, are made with the roster. So, you know, it could be a situation where the Flames don't have to worry about that as much. Sports, that's Elliot Friedman with us here on this hour of Flames Talk with Ryan Huska introduced as head coach of the Calgary Flames. Do you uh, do you have a feeling um, how close guys like Alex Tange and or Mark Savard were in this process? Just because mm. those were two of the more interesting names that, that you and Jeff had talked about a number of times. Yeah, I, I do think, uh, like, Savard was definitely talked to. 
I don't know how far that went. I haven't gotten clarity on Tangay yet. I think they talked to him, but I don't know how far that went. But um, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to watch this part today, Pat. So I need you to fill me in because I was at practice here in Vegas and doing work in Vegas. What do you say about the open assistant coach spot and some of the assistant coaches there? Basically said they're, uh, they've, they've now started to work on a list and, and that's going to be something that they tackle here going forward. So really next to no clarity period on the assistants, Elliot, both guys who were on the team last year and, and potential external hires on top of that. So I, I think one of the questions here is going to be, is there something you can do with that? Um, uh, like the one thing I heard about Mark Savard is he prefers to be a head coach. Okay. You know, he's a head coach in the American hockey league. Um, I, like I have, I could see like Calgary going back to a guy like him and saying, you know, what would it take to get you here? I know he generally prefers to be a head coach, but there's always things you can work around with there. If there's a will, you know, the thing about Tangi is interesting because he's already uh, an assistant coach somewhere. So I'm not sure how that would work uh, if, he, if they would be allowed to do that. But the one thing I've had people like just constantly beating me over the head with, Conroy and Aginla love Tange and they think he's really smart. So until that goes away, I'm going to wait to think it's a possibility. Okay. The one thing that I, I really do believe, Pat, is that Calgary wants to change the way they played offense. And some of that is Hubert related, like, like, look, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Every, like, they outshot everyone last year. They just didn't yep. score. And there was a big question about shot quality. So, like, when I look at this, I think they're going to look at for some people who can say, we're going to change the way they play and somebody who can build that. Do, uh, do you have any feel as to where Mitch Love goes from here? Do you have a, like, does he look elsewhere? Are, are there potential other bites around the NHL uh, for him, knowing how close he was to his first ever NHL job? Now, he's still under contract, right? Correct. He's got one year left on his deal. So the Flames have, the Flames have control over this. Generally, what I find is that teams don't stand in the way of promotions. Mm-hmm. So I think that, and so, so I don't necessarily think he's going to be going anywhere until, unless there's a promotion there for him, or unless the Flames just say, you know, or the Flames allow him out of it. I think generally, in my experience, there was a pretty well-known case of this, and this was Kyle Dubas in, in Toronto, um, if you block someone from a promotion, it means they're your person. So I think it's going to come down to what, like, do other teams call the Flames and say, first of all, the Flames try and extend them. Like, that's one thing they're going to have to do there. Like, like, I listened to Conroy's opinion, and I thought it was fair. Now, Mitch Love may not like that. That's fine. Like, like I, I think you want to be gracious, but you also believe in yourself, right? Yep. So he's probably a little disappointed right now. And but I understand Conroy's rationale. I don't have a problem with it. I think that now there becomes a conversation. Okay, what do the Flames want to do here? Do they do they they just say okay, one more year we'll play it out? Do they offer him an extension? Does Mitch Love want an extension? Does Mitch Love want to play out his contract? Does anybody call and say 
we we've got a promotion idea that we have here for Mitch Love. Like I, I think it depends on both the Flames' plans for him, his de- his desire to test the market maybe next year, or does another team call? And so, like they have the Flames have control because he's under contract, and unless somebody comes at him with a promotion right now, and I don't know where that is, um, he probably plays it out. Two more for you. I know you mentioned Noah Hannafin's but I, name. But again, I, yeah, I, go have, ahead. I have to say, I have to say, Pat, I really haven't checked on that one a lot. Okay. So okay, there's a lot of I, there's a lot of things could go in a lot of different directions here. Okay, very fair. Um, on uh, on Saturday with David Amber, you mentioned uh, the name Noah Hannafin as a guy that uh, could end up getting lots of interest around the league. What are you hearing on the Hannafin front and, and maybe some other names that the Flames have that are uh, expiring after next season? Just what are you hearing on the personnel front? Well, I just the Hannafin's name uh, came up to me because I heard it was around a lot at the Combine. Um, and... So, as we know defensively, uh, Provorov is off the board and Severson is off the board, right? Yep. So, Columbus has made their moves. In terms of free agency, there's Orlov, and then we'll see. And other than that, if you want to get a defenseman, you're probably going to have to trade for one. Um, Look, so, I think the Flames are doing their due diligence now, and they're kind of finding out where all their guys feel. I just think... The Flames have not confirmed any of this, so I'll say that straight out. But I will say that there is a feeling out there that Hannafin is going to be available. So I think there's some teams out there looking for defense who are beginning to think, okay, what are we going to have to do to do this? And uh, and, uh, so I I think, look, look, I said on the podcast today, Pat, Calgary has been great for Hannafin. And Hannafin has been great for Calgary. I think that that was a trade that worked out really well for the Flames. And I think you could say the same thing about Lindholm, too. Those guys gave everything they had, and the, and the Calgary was great for them. I just think that, um, and, and for because of that, I think that people really look at Hannafin in a positive way. And if he does indeed become available, as I think he will, I think that the the purchase price will be will reflect that. I think I think he's going to have a lot of interest out there. Set us up for Game Five. You're in Vegas right now. What uh, what's the what's the buzz? I know you've been at practice. You've got hits to do. Just uh, quickly before we say goodbye, set us up for our first Stanley Cup clinching game of 2023. Well, I, I you know the Vegas practice at their practice facility today. I didn't go out there. I watched Florida practice. I don't know if you saw the video or the pictures from there today. It was bonkers. Um, they had a full house of practice. Fans were chanting, we want the cup at them. Uh, this market has been an absolute grand slam home run for the NHL. Yeah. Like they, it really has. Like this is a loud building and it will be crazy in here tomorrow night. Florida practice here at the main rink. There were a lot of guys not practicing led by Kachuk. Um, they are really, really banged up, really banged up. And I think just the toughest thing is, I think the biggest challenge is, I think it's easier for Vegas to score than it is for Florida. Mm-hmm. I think Vegas has more natural goal-scoring ability than the Panthers do, particularly with Kachuk hurting. So I think that's the biggest challenge. I think for this series to go back to uh, South Florida, Bobrovsky's going to have to steal it tomorrow night. 
Appreciate the time. Uh, very much so. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Elliot. Have yourself a uh, wonderful rest of your time in Las Vegas. Hey, thanks for doing this today. All right, Pat. Come down here to the tables and you can you can uh, leave money behind like David Amber. <laughs> I'll do just that. See you, Fridge. All right. Take care. That's Elliot Friedman, uh, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL insider, uh, giving us the lowdown on Calgary's hiring of Ryan Huska on this Monday. This hour of Flames Talk is underway from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. No, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems hot stove lounge. Very different surroundings in the downtown studio. Steinberg and Aaron Vickers with us as well. Hello, Vicks. Hey, buddy. What's shaking? Not much, my friend. And uh, significant day for the Calgary Flames, hey? I mean, I would say so when you announce the 24th head coach in franchise history. Going to get a little buzz in the city, I would suggest. What uh, What were your takeaways from the news conference? Oh, you know, I as I walked into the Saddledome on a lovely Monday, June 12th, I was sitting here thinking, knowing that we'd be on the air talking about this, going, we don't really know necessarily how good this hire is. Like, it's going to be tough for us to evaluate. We're not in the room. We're not seeing things behind the bench. We're going to have to wait months until we actually even see the team on the ice guided by Ryan Huska. But the vibe coming out of the press conference was one that was so positive, so different, so energizing that you can already kind of feel the tangible difference in moving from Daryl Sutter to Ryan Huska. And that was kind of the big notable takeaway that I had from the interactions with Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska. And it's got me really curious, really, I guess curious would be the best word about what this Calgary Flames team can be under Huska. You're going to return a lot of the same high-end members of the roster. There's going to be certainly some changeover, and there's certainly some candidates that could be traded out and young players brought in, so on and so forth. But it has me really curious about what this core group of Calgary Flames players can be under a new voice, which is, of course, Ryan Huska. And that was probably the main thing that, that came out of that for me. The other thing that was sort of reinforced is, yes, he's a first-time head coach, but other than being a first-time head coach in the NHL, there really isn't anything Ryan Huska hasn't done in terms of being behind the bench. And I think that Calgary Flames fans that maybe wanted a more um, experienced head coach or maybe wanted to look elsewhere... I think they can take solace in the fact that, yes, while this is a new challenge, it's coming from a guy that has done everything but and has succeeded in that role doing everything but. So, I'm, I'm, again, I'm very curious what the Calgary Flames look like on the ice yeah. under Ryan Huska. Um, text lines open at 960-960. We'd love to hear from you on the hire, what you heard, and, and uh, more. If you're listening live with us here on this hour of Flames Talk, get your thoughts in at 960-960, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, a few things. I mean, I, I've been very adamant about this. Hell, I, I remember having these conversations going back to, to February when the, the conversations about Daryl Sutter and his future really um, – really started to pick up and we're wondering you know could there be a coaching move is is Daryl Sutter part of the issue here that type of stuff when those conversations really started in earnest the guy that I kept on pushing yes if they do decide to make a coaching hire I believe they should go Ryan Huska because I, I felt that he's been ready for this for quite some time and I felt like he has been 
groomed for this right from the beginning. Like when they hired him in 2014, there, there was a succession plan in place. Now, these things don't always go according to plan. It does, Just watch the show, Succession. It doesn't always go that way. Hey, oh, I haven't I, I'm not Thank gonna, you. I'm not spoiling Thank anything, you. but the, there's been some strife. Um, and so he could have been plucked. He could have not been the right fit. All kinds of circumstances. But the idea was when Brad Living and Brad Pascal and Craig Conroy targeted Ryan Huska as the head coach of the Adirondack Flames nine years ago, they saw him as a potential future NHL coach that it was time to take that next step on the ladder and that next rung on the ladder and to see where it goes. And so they had that coaching succession plan or that idea in place nine years ago. So you have that. You've got the opportunity to continue that. You've got a guy that since taking over as, as the head coach in the American League has had a lot of success and did a very good job in developing guys. On top of that, as I've said many times, the two areas that he has been chiefly responsible for as a Flames assistant have been some of the best parts of the Flames over the last half decade. Their penalty kill, which is ranked sixth in that time, and what we've seen from their blue line, whether it be Shillington or Anderson or Weger or any other name, that you, Noah Hannafin, guys who have really, Nikita Zadorov, yep. guys who have all improved on this blue line since getting here. Look, even the work that he did with Eric Branson next year and how that improved as the year went along. So the, the two areas that he has been focused on as an assistant have been success stories for the Flames. So all that, success in junior, success as a head coach in the American League, then five successful years I would put him as an assistant. I don't I, – I, yes, I get it. Assistant to head coach, same team. The Flames have not always hit on those. Jeff Ward wasn't a home run. Jim Playfair wasn't a home run. I get it. But this one, he it feels like a guy who's ready. It feels like a guy who hasn't just paid his dues based on time and time alone, but has put in the time to be ready for this and to earn himself this opportunity. So he's been one of my two front runners from the very get-go, and I, I really do think they're making a great hire. That's me. What about you? Where are you on this hire? That's a great point because I mentioned the tenure, and he's done it at the junior level. He's done it at the American League level. He's done it as an assistant at the NHL level. But you don't get promoted to the big chair unless you get results along the way. And just to focus on Huska on the Calgary Flames bench. Flames allowed 27.3 shots per game last year. That's third fewest in the NHL. Tied for fourth in penalty kill with the New Jersey Devils at 82.6%. And he's up there talking today. Not really details and X's and O's, but here's the presentation. We're this good on defense. This is how we can still get better, and this is what we can do to modify it. So he's, he's already looking at ways to make the Calgary Flames better defensively when they were a top-five team in those metrics. And then, of course, referring to the offense and taking the leash off a little bit and letting the players have fun, letting them get creative letting them, for lack of a better term, make some mistakes, but trying to inject that fun offensive, not even necessarily a run-and-gun style, but let's just take, you know, run free in the offensive zone. The big aspect is getting from defense to offense, doing it quickly, and then go have some fun. And I think that's desperately needed for the likes of Jonathan Huberto, Nazem Kadri, Elias Lindholm, so on and so forth. You need your best offensive players to have fun and freedom in order to achieve what they can achieve. And, I mean, it, you don't have to look hard to see what Jonathan Huberdo did last time he had offensive creativity and freedom. I mean, 115 points with the Florida Panthers the season before this past one. I'm curious. I, I, I can't go and say that this is the best hire right now 
because I'm not going to know that till they hit the ice. Speculation, I can understand why everybody can get excited about this, myself included, because I think we're going to see a Calgary Flames team that is just as good, if not better, defensively with the, with the restrictions off the forwards in the offensive zone. And if you're a fan, you should probably be excited about that because if you're clearing out the defense and you're spending more time on offense yeah. and letting them get creative, it's going to be a fun product to watch. At the end of the day, sports is fun. There, there were a couple of things that jumped out to me listening to Ryan and his news conference, even when he sat down with us here in the Doug Lacey's basement system, hot, systems, hot stove lounge, that exclusive conversations available for you right now, wherever you get your podcast, it's bonus for you um, on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. I, I really, to that point, I was struck by that as well, talking about how he wants the team to play, some of the differences that he'd like to see, um, the, the amount of times he talked about how we're going to play different next year, that type of stuff. Um, I'm really curious about the offensive freedom because a lot of people have pigeonholed Ryan recently as, been, well, do they want another defensive coach? And, and I'd push back on that a little bit because his responsibilities – as the assistant on this team were to run the penalty kill and to work the blue line. And those are, those have both been strong areas for the group, but it's kind of like a coordinator. If you like, sometimes you see guys in football, they'll work as a running backs coach. Then they'll be promoted or, or moved to linebackers coach. Then they're defensive coordinator than their head coach. Well, they've touched everything. Like there's guys who like you, you see guys who go through all different spots in football and eventually get their job as an offensive coordinator. You have to, like, it's, it's more, yes, these two, these last five years, those are the two things that he has worked on most closely and has had his hands on most, but that doesn't mean those Kelowna Rockets teams that he coached, they could score. Jamie Benn had some pretty good years, and Michael Backlund had a pretty good year. Like, those are some pretty good high-scoring Kelowna Rockets teams. So to, to classify him as a defensive coach, I, I think, is is not accurate. I do think that the there's a lot of structure in the way he wants him to play, but I I was really curious about him talking about two things: the type of chances they allow. Yep, that was the Flames allowed some of the fewest chances from a quantity standpoint last year, but when they gave them Five up alarm. and how they gave them up was was killer for him, and they didn't get a lot of saves on top of that. But also the whole idea of the offensive side and how they want to create offense a little bit differently. He's a shot like he he very much is a possession shot volume guy. But I I think I feel like there's going to be room for a little bit more creativity in that this this time around. Tell me I'm not imagining this, but did Craig Conroy not say that when Ryan Huska was put in charge of the defense and penalty kill, he was like, "Why? He's a forward. He was a forward playing pro hockey. He was a forward in junior, and you're going to put a forward on defense." Yeah, and it worked out, but. Yeah, keep in mind, he had some high-offense, high-octane teams in Kelowna as a coach. But over his last two seasons in the Western Hockey League as well, he was a point-per-game player. So it's not like he doesn't know how to produce as a player. It's not like he can't see the game in the offensive zone. Certainly his NHL career didn't pan out the way he'd hoped, and that's why he got into coaching. But this is a guy that can certainly see things at both ends of the ice. I don't think there's any disputing that. And what I'm actually curious about now as we go into the next phase of this is who he surrounds himself with on his bench and who gets what responsibility because yeah. I think that'll be curious as well. Obviously, the head coach has the final say on everything, but I'll be curious to see who he puts in what roles 
to help expand for each sure. scenario for the Calgary Flames. The other thing that I did find quite interesting is is how much he pushed back on the idea that you can't go from being an assistant to a head coach on the same team. I thought that was really interesting as well. Uh, read you a few texts, 960-960. Uh, we'll hear from General Manager Craig Conroy in just minutes here this hour on Flames Talk. Uh, this says, Pat, do you think we'll see more changes now with the rest of the coaching staff? That comes from Steve. Yeah, I mean, I do think that we'll see a – wouldn't be a surprise if, if Kirk Muller decides to look elsewhere. I, again, don't know for sure. Um, I'm curious to see of the internal coaches that were here last year uh, from – Kale McLean, Kirk Muller, Jason LaBarbera, and even uh, even Jamie Pringle. I'm, I'm really curious to see what that group looks like for next year, how many of those guys might be back for next year. That'll be really interesting. And I am curious, could a guy like Alex Tongue be convinced to jump from Detroit to Calgary as an associate coach? Uh, could a guy like Mitch Love be convinced to jump in and, and join the Flames on on the, on, his, on their coaching staff? So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a – I think there'll be at least one new face behind that bench for next year for sure. Yeah, I can get on board with that. It wouldn't shock me to see uh, a whole new setup, to be perfectly honest with you. And as you mentioned, I'm curious about Tongay, who's an assistant in Detroit, but technically associate is a promotion. That's a promotion. Because isn't that how Jeff Ward moved to the Calgary Flames? He went from assistant to associate. So there is sort of a path and understanding that teams typically don't block their guys from being promoted. Um, Then you've got Mark Savard. You've got Mitch Love, as you mentioned. Like, I'm just curious, and these will – very much to a degree be task specific so you're not just going to bring in four guys and then be like oh what are you good at what are you good at no you're going to have a role in mind the way ryan explained it he's like first of all i wanted to start a list of what i want and then you can start putting names into that grouping like who's really good at this we want a coach who does this who's a really good fit there that was really interesting when he explained it that way and i wonder about you know a guy like reardon or a guy like green now travis green has not been a coach since december of 2021 right would he be interested in being part of a staff as opposed to running a staff i don't know the answer to that question but i i am i'm interested to see knowing that he was one of the finalists and reardon was one of the finalists so that's that's really interesting to me as, as well when it comes to this new coaching staff magarsa writes is it october yet Honestly, I'm optimistically excited for something different. The way they were talking about the vision of how they want the team to play is intriguing and exciting. The guy has definitely paid his dues, and let's see what he's got. Let's hope they can get uh, the important people re-signed and give him a decent roster to to succeed because that will play a big factor in him being successful. This reads, I wanted Brunette, but after him, it had to be Huska or Love, in my opinion. I was leery of Love because he had Dustin Wolf the last two years. As the saying goes, show me a good goalie, and I'll show you a good coach. Uh, This from Mike. I think the most exciting part is the possibility of prospect development and progression under the Huska-Conroy era. Maybe being able to finally have a prospect pool in the future that is heading in the right direction. This from Dylan in the foothills. Having Connie and Huska at the helm is the right move excited about the future if they can somehow get rid of huberto and cadre and trade lindholm backlund and hannafin they have a bright future with the kids but still having veterans on it's a pipe dream but that's what keeps me as a flames fan going 
Uh, Greg and Strathmore says, I love the head coach hire. There are strong signs the Flames will be fast, young, and an exciting team, and it's already started in management. Uh, this reads, do you still think Huska will oversee the D or PK since his numbers were so good, or how will that work with a new assistant? Well, once you're the head coach, you like Daryl Sutter. You set the philosophy, yeah. Uh, believe me, Daryl Sutter did not say, I don't care about the penalty kill, that's all yours. I don't like. Daryl Sutter still ran the show, um, and yes, Ryan was focused on those things, and those were his day-to-day responsibilities. But yeah, the, it was it was all set in place by the man at the top, being Daryl Sutter. And I found it curious that Huska already has a plan to address those five alarm sort of chances against that you had mentioned earlier. Because I wonder if those ideas had been previously pitched, maybe not picked up, identifying things that you can improve along the way. Head coach will always have the final say on his staff. I'm curious to see the changes that he implements. Maybe he wasn't able to implement them beforehand, how they can impact the team. Uh, this reads, although I would have rather gone love, you can't really complain about a guy like Huska. A uh, guy knows the team and the players and will still find a way to get the young guys incorporated into the team. There you go. Just a few texts at 960-960 on the coaching hire. Text line remains open at 960-960 this hour on Flames Talk with Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're underway this hour and we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Wet basement? They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry if you experience any water in your basement contact basement systems they are all things basementy visit dlbasementsystems.com anything and everything calgary flames it's all on flames talk sportsnet 960 the fan so the flames have hired ryan huska as the 24th head coach in franchise history going to hear from general manager Craig Conroy in just a second in terms of the process. How many to start? How many at the end? And how did they end up going with and deciding on Ryan Huska? That and a whole lot more. General manager Craig Conroy. This is his first uh this is his first big decision and yep. first big move. It has now been put to bed and you can tell he's very very confident. Look, this was this was his guy and his preferred guy before he was named general manager. So I don't think it's a surprise that after going through the process that the guy that he really wanted then remains the guy that he wants to be the head coach now and is the head coach now. Here's our exclusive chat with Craig Conroy earlier on Monday, the general manager of the Calgary Flames here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. How do you feel now that the uh, first move's out of the way? I feel good. It's been stressful. You know, I knew... When I got the job, this was going to be something that, you know, you look back in years and and kind of think, okay, my first hire, you know, how was it going to go? You know, and I wanted to make sure I went through a, as many people as I could talk to, try to find out the best thing. And, and fortunately, as a player, I've kind of – I was there when Joel Quinville came and started his career to kind of see what type of coach he was. And I thought that was – you know, that gave me a lot of insight what I was looking for uh, as far as, you know, I know Joel came from the outside, but the way he kind of, what he brought is a lot what I see in Ryan Huska. So not saying he's going to be Joel Quinville. He's got yeah. different ideas, but how Joel had success in St. Louis and, you know, obviously uh, an amazing career. What, uh, 
take us through the process, like the from when you started searching for a head coach and, and kind of how you got to the point to, and, and when you figured it was going to be Ryan. You know, the first thing was just put names down on a list, you know, so we probably had from very, very experienced coaches all the way down to college and junior coaches, and then was who do I think fits what I'm trying to do? And then we narrowed it down, and we probably had about 15, 15 people, um, and then started talking to those 15 people. And some were Zoom, some were close enough that we could actually uh, in person. And as we went through it, you know, it shows you how many good coaches are out there. I mean, we everybody we talked to, they're they're well prepared, they're yeah. ready. I mean, it's it's not as easy as you think when you kind of listen to the guys. You're like, hmm. They're uh, they're sharp guys. They've been doing it for a long time. And you know what? Just like Ryan, they're looking for their first chance or they're looking to get back in for a, a second chance. So it wasn't, uh, you know, it, it took a lot more work and a lot longer than I thought because I was kind of hoping to go to the combine last week. But it just, yeah, this was the number one priority for the organization and myself to get the head coach in place. And then you know, as we were working the second interviews and everyone came in, you know, I wanted more specific things. I wanted, I wanted to see video there, there, how they're going to play defense, how they're going to transition pucks. What are they going to do off neutral zone draws? You know, everything that I kind of, in my mind, I wanted to see when we talk systems, how they're going to play, how they want our team to play, you know, uh, each of those guys came in and presented and, uh, you know, I didn't give them a lot of time. So yeah. they, they did a great job. They, you know what, to come in to show me that, um, talking about our team. I mean, they were all very knowledgeable about our team and, and we're, what we're trying to do here. I know that continuity and, and him being an internal guy was not the only thing or even the leading thing that led to you going with Ryan, but how how does that help him? How can that continuity and familiarity be an asset for him? Well, I think, first of all, he knows the players. He knows what went on here last year, what we're trying to improve on, what we're trying to do better. Um, he believes in this group. And just, you know, there's always things that we can improve on and do a little bit better. And I think that's where, you know, when he went through it to explain, I wasn't downstairs every day, you know, so – you don't know exactly what's going on, but when he laid it out, what he thought we needed to do differently, a lot of it. I mean, we've, <laughs> we've did a lot of good things, but even in the D zone, as good as we were defensively, there were subtle little things that he said, I'd like to do this in our D zone. It's not going to be a huge, because we were good defensively. I yeah. mean, I do feel like that was a strength of ours. He wants to transition pucks quicker. He wants to have guys on the move, getting opportunities to pull separate, you know, pull the D back, to give us some more room, to let us create a little bit more on the rush, and to take some chances. You know, I mean, obviously you take chances smart. <laughs> you don't want to just do it all the time, but pick your spots, know when to go on, on the offense. And and if you, you know, Johnny, when he was here, he, he did it as well as anybody. He knew when to take off, when to get those breakaways, how to do it. And, uh, you know, Huss kind of showed with Manji, and different guys on our team, a guy like Dubé, if he can time it a little bit better if, with that speed that he has, it really could be a, another weapon for us. How uh, you, you mentioned a couple players there. I know you were asked in the news conference about Elias and, and Jonathan. How much did you engage your players in this hire? Like, did, Do you ask for opinions? Do you bounce it off them? Do you get input from them the other way? I'm just curious as to how you did that. Well, you, you just want to get, you want to get an idea what they are looking for. 
you know, you're not going to let them pick the coach. You're not going to do something just for one player or two right. players. But you want to get a general feel of what they felt was lacking. You know, the same things that I'm thinking that I thought were wrong or not wrong, but that we could pr- improve upon and then went through the process like that. So, you know, you do, you do talk to those guys and you do get input. You do figure out what they like, what they didn't like. But, you know, and then in the end, I take all that information and then – that's when you started with the the fifteen, you know, right? The fifteen people, let's say. What uh, in your mind, Ryan has been an assistant in the Western League, a head coach in the Western League, head coach in the American League, in the last five years on the Flames bench. But what about him makes you confident that he's ready for this? The success he had as a head coach in the Western Hockey League, you know. You knew uh, it's funny because when I first we first interviewed him, the one thing they said he was too hard at the beginning in the Western Hockey League. He had to tone that down. <laughs> I was like, really? I, I I didn't see that, you know. But then to see him with our American League team, the way he managed the day to day, the way he, I mean, the best person to ask so would be Rasmus Anderson. He was on Rasmus it was not a fun year that first year for Rasmus and he'd probably tell you I know if when you get him on Pat when he gets back if you he said it I I thought he they were going to kill each other I mean that's what it was like but what he did the next year when Rasmus came back he was like oh he goes now I'm doing everything Ryan was wanting me to do and now I'm getting a chance to go play in the NHL. I'm having an unbelievable year down here. And he could see the, how the success was coming. And then he appreciated it. And he'd probably tell you that. He'd probably tell you I didn't like that first year at all. I didn't like him at all. <laughs> you know, because it wasn't always friendly. But his job was to get Rasmus for, ready for the NHL. And that's what he did with each player. And each player is different. Rasmus can, you know, he needs to be pushed hard. He needed that. He needed to be stayed on every day. And I think Ryan understood that. And then other guys that didn't, you know, you'd, Shillington needed a different way. He He's such a smart person as far as reading the room, figuring out what buttons to push on each guy and then how to have success. I mean, obviously, like I said, he wanted to win down there at times, but we would say, hey, we need to play, you know, X, Y, Z. We need to put them in big draws in the defensive zone because that's what we see him doing moving forward. And, and he would do that. I know at times he was probably like, Oh, you know, I don't want to do that, but, yeah. but that was part of the job, you know, but he was willing to do it. He was open to do it. And, uh, and then when he came up here, you know, to move and work with the defense and work, uh, even though he's a forward and work with the PK, it was, it was pretty impressive. Well, one, and one of the things that people talk about a lot is a coach's ability in 2023 to relate to each guy individually and each player individually while still being able to motivate the team. It feels like that would be a strength for Ryan, even based on what you just mm-hmm. said there. Well, that's what you're trying to do. I mean, you know what? When I had coaches, they told me what to do, and I just did it. I didn't question it. I did it. Like, that's just the way it was for me. And and I liked those coaches. I had no issue. I had no problem, whether it was Daryl, you know, Mike Keenan, Joel was hard. I mean, they were all hard demanding, but I always thought they wanted the best for me, and this was the way to get it for me. And, you know, it would drive me and make me a little mad at times, but I'd want to show them, okay, I'll show you guys. You know, it's a little bit different now, which is fine, you know, but you have to change with the times. You know, we just can't stay in one thing, and this works, this works. But 
for me, Ryan's a little bit of he can do both. He can still hold people accountable because that was yeah. the one thing. We need to be held accountable, and players want to be held accountable. They just don't want to do whatever they want. You know, they just want to be able to do, you know, they want to be put in situations, like Ryan said, to succeed. And I think that's the big thing for me. You know, at the end of the games, if we need to double shift our top line, we're, we're in one goal games. We need our top guys out there in key situations, at key moments to turn the tide for us. There's a guy that you feel like you can build with, right? That was one of the mm-hmm. things at your introductory news conference you talked about. And now here's a guy you can collaborate with going forward. Exactly. I mean, we're going to we're going to talk every day. Like I said, we're not I'm not going to go down and set the lineup or I have no interest in that. That's his job. But we're going to talk about players. Do we need to get this player in? You know, is there a chance to get player X into the lineup? Is what are we looking for on on the back end? Do we need a certain type of player? Is there something I can do to help the team be better? You know, we're going to have those conversations all the time. We're going to, you know, call ups, call downs, there's injuries after games. You know, we need to have that lines of communication because we're waiting here. Okay, the guys in the, get an x-ray. Let instead of being the next morning, let's let's get going tonight. Like if the x-ray comes back, he's problem. Let's make sure everybody knows what's going on. And that's that working relationship. And obviously even right now, we've probably talked more in the last three days than we had in a month, you know, obviously with, with everything going on, but just, you know, calling, checking in what's going on, trying to get our list ready for the assistant coaches, because you know what, as big as this hire was, yeah, the, the next ones are just as big. How how involved are you in that? Is that mostly a Ryan thing, or is it a, a, a Ryan and Craig thing? Like, how does the rest of the staff come together now? Yeah, no, it's it's going to be us. You know, it's going to be a team, little bit, kind of. You know, in in the whole process of the interview, it was what's going to what who what type of people are we going to put with you so we can have success. That's my biggest thing you know for me to play with jerome you know jerome was a different player than me but we could we we complimented each other who compliments you the best you know your strengths weaknesses we we want to find the people that are right for you and we also want to find a group that has fun together and where they like being around each other because you're around these guys probably as much or more than you are with your family so you know, we got to make sure, and Ryan's got to have a comfort level with, with the guys that he's talking to. Right. In the end, it will be his hire, though. Okay. But I will have some input as far as the type of person we're looking for. What uh, you, you were asked about Mitch Love in the news conference. Why was, uh, why was maybe this not Mitch's time? You know what? Mitch is going to be a head coach in the NHL 100%. I, I don't even question that, and he doesn't question that. I think for me, it's always those things that – being with top players, being in a room with those elite athletes that are older, that have huge contracts, uh, dealing with the schedule, the travel, the rinks, the media, the it is a whole different animal. I mean, it really is. When you get to the NHL, you take it from, you know, maybe junior to the AHL, there's a step, but you go to the NHL, there's another huge step. And the pressure that goes along with being a head coach in a Canadian market, when you're trying to learn on the fly about the NHL, you know, referees, you, you name it. It's just, there's so many little things, the travel, you know, all the different things that go along with it, dealing with the media. I mean, I know we had to deal with the media with the Wranglers, but it is 
a different beast in the NHL. And I just think to put him in that situation right now yeah. without him having any knowledge of it is, uh, was, was the difference, was a difference for me. A few more with Craig Conroy, GM of the Flames. A couple of housekeeping items, I guess. What? Uh, so now, what does the next few weeks look like? You're what? We're two weeks away, just over two weeks away from the draft. What does the next few weeks look like for you? Yeah, uh, right now, we have the uh, the pro staffs in. So the next today, we started the meetings. It seems like every time we get going, <laughs> we have a press conference during the meetings. Then go uh, the draft. So we're getting ready for the draft, and obviously, I'll be I'll be reaching out the teams and talking to our uh, to our players also to make sure to see where they're at uh, and what they want to do moving forward uh and and any uh the because we've talked a lot you know you were asked on on your first day on the job you were asked even a few minutes ago about elias lindholm you've got a lot of different player personnel things where where does that stand right now where does that sit with some of these guys that you knew you had to talk to and and you knew were going to be priorities this summer well i think the one thing they all ask who is the coach going to be so now we have that cleared up you know, and then now the direction of the team. I mean, they, they have a few questions, but they haven't closed the door on Calgary, you know, and they just said, hey, we just want to know what's going on. So I think now moving forward, we'll be able to have more meaningful conversations with them, their agents, and as we move towards the draft here. Congratulations on the first big hire. Is it a weight off your shoulders knowing uh, that it's done? You know what it really is? It was uh, – you know, I think when you're on the you're assistant GM and you're kind of on the outside watching uh, Brad do everything, you know, you, you know what's going on. But then when you're actually the one going to make the hire, it, it's stressful. I mean, you want to make sure you go through everything and, and get the right guy. And yeah. I do believe we got the right guy. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, Pat. That is the general manager of the Calgary Flames, Craig Conroy, joining us a little earlier on this Monday, uh, exclusively here on Flames Talk after hiring Ryan Huska as head coach of the team. His first big decision as general manager of the Flames, and now Huska installed as the 24th general manager, uh, sorry, 24th head coach of the Calgary Flames. Eighth general manager, 24th head coach is Ryan Huska. And, and I do think one of the important things is the idea of those two collaborating and, and building something as a pair and, and maybe being a long-term fit. That's something that, look, let's, let's put all cards on the table. There have been too many damn coaches in this city over the last 15 or 20 years. It's like every two or three years. Bob Hartley is one of the longest tenured head coaches Oof. in Flames history, and that's really? what he got forced. Yeah, he Oof. is. Um, it, like, it, it, I believe Bob Johnson remains the longest tenured head coach in, in Calgary Flames history. It just, we've gone through too many coaches in this market. Think about... COVID started in March of 2020, and since that time, it's been Jeff Ward and then Daryl Sutter and now Ryan Huska. Like we, we've been we've been through way too many coaches of late. Is it still Bob Johnson? I'm still looking it oh, up. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. My bad. I, was, I thought you were nodding your head, so I was, I was like, in agreement with you that there's too many damn head coaches in this. It's city. just like and and so I I really I hope that first of all that this is a long term fit 
because I think that's important that a new general manager and his first head coaching hire can work and build together going forward. I really do hope that is the case. Um, and from there, we'll we'll see. Yeah, 400 games for Badger Bob, 294 for Bob Hartley. Bob Hartley is the second longest tenured oh. head coach in Calgary Flames history. Now, uh, if you throw in Daryl Sutter's combined, he would be the second longest tenured, I guess. But in terms of a full-on tenure, uh, Bob Hartley's 294 games was the second longest in Flames history. Combined, um, there's more than that for Daryl Sutter, but that was two separate stints, which for the sake of this conversation doesn't, doesn't count. count because we're talking about how there's been too many coaches. Uh, it's Pat and Aaron along with you this hour of Flames Talk starting to wrap up. Uh, we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems, they're all things basement -y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com.